last night at zero service, I taught the same message, um, and there was this there was this feeling um, that, that that some of the people had that came up in our small group discussion afterwards that was like that was like I'm not doing enough. Like this idea of like like white knuckling it. I'm trying so hard, and it's just doesn't it's not working and other people are more on fire than I am and and I, I just I just can't do enough and that's that's not the 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 hope for today one of the songs we sing said uh, holy is the Lord seated on the throne sovereign king of all the earth we crown you Lord of all like that's not a God who is limited by us and our striving and our white knuckling it um in psalms it says cease striving and know that i am god so if there's this tension that you're feeling today like i I just can't do that i'm trying i'm trying so hard and it just it doesn't look like what you're saying remember that the sovereign king of all the earth has has chosen you has um has breathed life um and hopefully take what we're going to talk about this morning as kind of a, uh, an encouragement uh, to live a, worthy, a life worthy of the gospel. So we're in a new series called What, what is on God's iPod? Um, and the, the idea behind what's on God's iPod isn't so much about um, like Chris Tomlin or, or Phil Wickham. And I even imagine that John Mayer would be on God's iPod, right? Because he's kind of the the accepted non-Christian artists for, for like, people who think you should only listen to Christian music. It's, it's not so much about sheltering ourselves from the world and only listening to what God would listen to, but more so that there's a world out here, and in this analogy, it's a gnarly rock show. Think, yourself in the, think of yourself in the 70s, and Kiss is playing, and there's fire, and big tongues, and Ozzy Osbourne's there, and he's biting off bat heads, right? This is, this is the world we live in. And God's given us his iPod. See my prop? And we can listen to what he's saying in the midst of all that. Um, in, in 1 John, it says this, They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to God, or listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. See, there's definitely a message out there bombarding us with what success looks like, um, how we find purpose in our life, uh, where we find joy, um, and that one usually comes with the motorboat. And um, there, there's definitely a world's message. And God has answers to each and every single one of those. Success and joy and peace. And, and they're radically different than the one that we've set up in the world. So he's given us his word. He's given us himself. And so we're going to be going through John 15. Just four verses for the next four weeks. Except for next week because we're going to have a, a guest speaker. And apparently it's rude to tell guest speakers, you have to teach on what we're teaching on. So we have no idea what he's teaching on, so I guess it's probably a good week to come, because you'll be pleasantly surprised, I'm sure. Yeah, and he's a professor at Azusa Pacific, so he must be smart, I would imagine. Um, 
So, so for the next four weeks, we're going over, over what's on God's iPod. And it comes from this idea where Christ says to us, abide in me and I in you. So, so Christ says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, something. If, I, if you abide in me and I in you, something else. So we're going to kind of go through this verse by verse through the weeks. And that idea of abide is this idea of, of remaining or standing or continuing or, or being. So, so, so Christ is saying, hey, be in me as I'm in you. Like, it's, it's, it's a very intentional word picture of, of, of relationship. I was wasting time reading YouTube comments, which is the biggest waste of time you could do. If, you, if you're like, I feel like throwing away an hour of my life, just read YouTube comments. Um, and it was about some Christian band or something, and one of the comments said, God hates religion too, don't worry about it. And um, I understand the comment, I understand where they're coming from, and that's essentially what he's saying with this idea of abiding, is is God really cares about that relationship, that intimate relationship where, where he's in us and, and, and we're in him. And, and it's so cool because, right, the world's gone and got itself in such a big hurry, if you like Shawshank Redemption, right? The world has messed itself up. And God has decided to use us, his people, his church, his body, to fix it. Like, what an amazing honor that is like that he would use people like us that are so screwed up and he would use us to 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 redeem his his creation like like that is intensely personal and and that's what he's saying in in hey abide in me and i'll abide in you um so as i was thinking about uh this week what 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 he's saying (laughs) um casey reminded me of a story um my company um, moved from um, Phoenix to L.A. So part of the thing is that you have to move the company from Phoenix to L.A. So we had a whole bunch of hardware and a whole warehouse worth of stuff that we had to move from Phoenix to L.A. Um, but for me, that's a good thing because I have family in Phoenix. So, wait, I, I can just call it work and I get to go visit my family and work for a couple hours, load up a truck drive it back, free gas, free visit. Yeah, let me do that. That sounds like a good trip, except for that it's in Phoenix, because Phoenix, I'm pretty sure, is where they invented fire, because you just catch on fire when you're in Phoenix. So, you know, I've got, we've got this big box truck, and we're saying, okay, we're going to leave. So Casey got off work at like five o'clock or something like that. We grabbed dinner. Lunch at five would be dinner. So, so we, we grabbed dinner after that, you know, so we're hitting the road to get to Phoenix about 6.30 at night. But Phoenix isn't close. I don't know if you, it's the, like a whole other state away. So it takes about six, seven hours, and we're in a box truck, so add some to that, because legally, you're only supposed to go 55, but safely, you're only supposed to go like 90, I don't know, but you just can't go very fast in, in, in the box truck is what I'm getting at. So the one thing that my boss told me about this trip is, hey, don't fill up in Blythe. Blythe is like the last um, exit before we, we get into, into, into Arizona. It's more expensive there because they're saying, hey, we're the last option until right over the border. So so we don't fill up there, and we stop for 
dinner or a snack or something somewhere after that. And since we're in a big box truck, it's kind of hard to find parking, so we park at a gas station. But I hate filling up gas, like, with a passion. Not so much because it costs money, but more because you have to do it again, right? Like, I just want my car to just go, right? And, and I'm not good at filling up gas. You, you think, well, how could you be bad? This stupid thing, like, clicks. So, like, I, I, like, you know, lock it in, and then it clicks on me, and, like, stop it. You know, and then they, now they don't let you put the clicky thing in, so I'm holding it, and it clicks, and then they say not to put a bottle in there, which I think is very interesting. Like, we got it. So I hate it, and Casey goes, we should fill up. We'll be fine, right? And so I'm, I said, no, we'll be totally good. She goes, wait, we're parked at a gas station. We should just fill up. But here's the problem. It either takes one or two tanks of gas to get there, depending upon when you fill up, right? If I left my driveway and I filled up right away, then it would take another time that I'd have to go fill up. So I really only want to stop once. So we're a little bit past half full. So it's like, yeah, we'll go for a little while. But it's dark, so I missed the sign that said, no more gas for 90 miles. <laughs> Thank you. So, so we're going, and that needle goes a lot quicker at the second half of your tank. So I'm like, wait, we went four hours on this one. We should be able to get all the way there. Didn't happen. So then it starts beeping at us saying, hey, fill me with gas. And then I go, I know. And here's the other thing I know about diesel, is that you're not allowed to run out of gas. Like, like normal cars, it's a bad idea to run out of gas. But in a diesel, you have to prime the motor afterwards. Whatever that means. I just know it's $300. So we don't want to run out of gas. So we turn off the AC. But remember, it's 2,000 degrees outside with our windows down. So it's just misery and bugs. And it's just, this is not good. And we're on the 10, but not like the 10 like what we're used to. Like the 10 in the middle of nowhere. So we can't just, like, pull off the side of the road. And we're sitting here, and I kid you not, the needle was, it had to have been below the line. And it's like, oh, shoot, we're going to die. So, and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. So we, uh, we, we find a, a rest stop, and we get off there, and we, um, you know, we ask people if they have gas, like truckers and stuff. And he's like, no, but I'm like, your car's running. So just get a hose and do some siphoning, please. Hook a brother up, he didn't want to. So, so we call um, AAA, and then we call them back. Well, we don't know where we are, because we're, like, in the middle of nowhere, and there's, like, like a Topanah or Tonopah or something. Like, we can't read it because it's, like, Native American or something, and I can't read anyway. So we're like, I don't even know where we're at. So then we call them back, and they sent someone to New Mexico. We're like, no, we're in hell. Like, not New Mexico. We're, and... Um, all this stuff. The funny thing is, we were like two miles from a gas station. So he came, you know, filled up a little bit. We drove to the gas station, filled up. And you know what? We got there in one tank, right? Like one stop, just like I planned on. But <laughs> I don't say this as like, men, listen to your wives, which is probably a good idea. But more, we don't know things all the time. We don't know what's best for us most of the time. We need each other. We need people. We need someone speaking into our life. I picture, like, when you buy a refrigerator, they say, like, they show a guy, like, trying to lift the refrigerator by himself with a frowny face, and they cross it out, like, don't be frowny and lift this by yourself. Um, And then they show you two people lifting a refrigerator but smiling, but two people, it's still really heavy. Refrigerators are not light. Um, Like, like, 
there's this idea that we're supposed to do things together. And I would assume that all of us, by the way you're laughing at me, have been like, yes, I've done bad things when I didn't listen. I, I've, I've experienced running out of gas or starting a project at home where I was like, it'll only take me a day. And people are like, no, it takes you three months to build a house. No, and you just you know, sledgehammer to the wall or something like that. And that's where we find ourselves in this particular scripture. Christ is talking to us and he says, hey, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And this idea of abiding, right, is, is, is listening to God's iPod, listening to what he has to say in the, in the, in the mess of this world, in our own thoughts, and in what we've created. He says, hey, listen to me. And by the way, when you don't listen to me, you don't produce fruit. More importantly, you produce bad fruit and, and, and other analogies. But he's like, hey, if you don't listen to what I have to say, listen to what the word says, it's going to end bad. Like, when the world says, hey, this is how you're supposed to get ahead at your job. And Christ says, no, you're actually supposed to not think more highly than you ought to of yourself. So, so don't be self-seeking. You know, let, let me, God, do the speaking for you. And then what? We'll produce fruit. We'll produce the fruit that, that he expects for us. The problem is that, that in, in our mind frame of kind of Christianity and, and, and this whole thing is, is, there, is there's awesome scriptures such as, we've been saved by grace through faith, not of works so that no man may boast. It's in Ephesians. So we say, I've been saved by grace through faith. Why do I have to have good works? Why does my life have to look at, like, no, I don't have to do anything. We're set free from the law. All this mumbo jumbo that's really good. I'm not coming down on our salvation. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's um, when, when Paul's talking about putting on the armor of God, one of our armors to protect ourselves against the flaming arrows of, of, of Satan is salvation, is remembering our salvation. So it's, it's central to our faith. However, that's not it. It doesn't just stop at, so you're saved by grace, cool, now go do whatever you want. It's, you're saved by grace through faith so that no man may boast. Oh yeah, and, and Christ desires fruit in our life. He wants us to be people that, that are producing fruit. And the cool thing is it's fruit produced by Him. It's, he's the vine. We're just the stick. And when we're separated from Him, we're just a stick and not a branch, right? Like, sticks only do, like, stickly things. Like, they don't produce fruit or do anything good except for make baseball bats, which is not good because baseball season is the devil as well. They play like 4,000 games. It's miserable. And here's the thing about baseball. I'm going to get a lot of haters. The perfect game in baseball is when nothing happens. Right? They pitched a no-hitter, so nothing happened. It's also so boring that they have a part, it's at the seventh inning, where you're supposed to stretch the, the attendees are supposed to stretch because they're about to die. So, so anyway, so sticks are no good, right? But when they're branches, they produce fruit, good stuff happens. This, this is the picture he's, he's saying. So we, so we ask the question, well, what kind of fruit? What does fruit look like? What, 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 what's expected with this idea of fruit? And in Matthew says this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now this is John the Baptist talking and he's blasting the Pharisees. He's like, 
like coming really hard on them. And after this, he talks about that, that just because they're sons of Abraham doesn't mean squat. But he's saying, hey, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Be a person, be a, a man or woman of God that produces fruit in a manner in keeping with repentance. We say, well, what? Like, like why repentance? Why pick, why pick repentance? Why, why not something else? And it's because we believe in a God who speaks and who saves us, this is a really awesome example, from addiction to chocolate, okay? If I were to pick a particular addiction, such as pornography or alcoholism or something like that, we could say, I don't do that, and then you can tune out. But for the rest of this message, we're all addicted to chocolate, okay? You with me? So God says, you're addicted to chocolate, and it's not good. It's bad for you. And if we don't have this fruit in our life, we then will go to our friends and try to, quote-unquote, sell Jesus, which is sad, and say, look it, I used to be addicted to chocolate, and I'm still addicted to chocolate, but you should love Jesus. Well, why? Well, it's how you get in. But he doesn't do anything. Well, sure he does. He, he saved me. Well, from what? You're still addicted to chocolate, right? Your chocolate's still ruining your marriage. Your chocolate is still, in this, it doesn't do anything. And we're, we're told to, to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. One that says, yes, I used to be a slave to chocolate, and after Christ entered my life, and I listened to his iPod and listened to what he had to say, I am no longer addicted to chocolate. For me in particular, before I was a Christian, my, my life would be summed up as angry. And after I had the saving change of Christ, you wouldn't call my life angry. Like, like you wouldn't say, yeah, Nate's an angry dude. Yes, because, because we believe in a God who works, a powerful God who actually does something. See, the interesting thing about the, the world that we're talking about, this KISS concert, is we've created it. And in Habakkuk, I like Habakkuk, and I think you have to say it with a in there. In Habakkuk 2, he essentially, he's talking about how we've created these idols, and he, and he refers to them as mute idols. Because we've created them. They, ha- they have no power. We've created this idea that prestige comes from, from our finances or prestige or, or, or security comes from our, our finances. Like, we've created that. And money doesn't talk. But we believe in a God who does and we believe in a God who changes our lives and takes us from addicted to chocolate to not addicted to chocolate. And so, John the Baptist is saying, hey, Show that. Show that. Have the fruit that shows that Christ does stuff. Because we have a lot of stories of people who claim to be Christian who don't have the fruit in keeping with repentance. Christ hasn't done that saving work despite their lip service. So, Jesus talks about fruit later in Matthew, and it's, um, like, brutally honest. But, like, Almost, duh, right? You read this, you go, I get it, Jesus. Why are you talking to me? And he says this, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. Uh Uh-huh. A bad tree bears bad fruit. Got it. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Uh Uh-huh. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. We got this. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. Ooh. Thus, by their fruit, you will, you will recognize them. Like, like, right. Bad trees produce bad fruit, right? Like, if you saw a tree that had, like, that was, like, decaying, you would expect to see, like, a decaying apple, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect for it to, to make good fruit. And if you saw the one that you want to, like, picnic under, and it's, like, all big, and apparently gives you stuff, the giving tree, it has, like, an awesome apple, and you eat the apple, and you're happy, is essentially the picture that he's saying here. We're like, yeah, I get that, I get that. But for some reason, we want to have a duality in our life where we say, well, no, I can have all my secret sins, I can do all that, and still be good enough. And Christ says, no, because what, what he's done in us should be reflected by our actions. We should be the tree that is producing good fruit. Back to the chocolate analogy. It, it seems ridiculous because it is ridiculous, but a lot of times what happens is we'll tell somebody, look it, I used to be addicted to chocolate, and now I'm not anymore. And then the person that you're saying that to goes, yeah, but every guy does it. You're like, no. God's ways are different than our ways. God's ways, it says in 1 Corinthians, that, that he, he chose the weak things of the world to shame the wise. Like, like the, essentially the person who's ever given the most amount of money ever in the history of the world gave about a penny because she gave everything. She, she gave out of, out of what she didn't have. And we would say, no, we should get more millionaires in church because then they can give more money and then we could do more. And Christ says, no, we should have more disenfranchised because I have a heart for the lost and I have a heart for the widow and the orphan, the ones who can't produce anything by the world standards but are closest to God's heart. See, God's way is different. So we say, I'm addicted to chocolate. People might not get it. They're like, big whoop, me too. But then we say, but look it, we believe in a Christ who redeems us, who's changed us, and now I'm not. And now I produce good fruit. I'm a good tree. And the fruit comes from God. The other cool thing about this concept is that Christ doesn't say, hey, produce good fruit or else and figure out how to do it on your own. That would be miserable. If, if God was just like, just figure it out. And if you do it wrong, then, you know, smush you. But he, he says, hey, just listen, abide in me, put on my iPod. Like, shut out what the world's telling you, use your prop, put on your iPod, and listen to what he's saying. Like, like, like abide in him. That's, that's the answer. That's the exciting answer. And, and he's telling us all the way, um, I was listening to a book, but I would still say, I wouldn't say I read it, but I wouldn't have to feel like I would, like if you said the book was better, that doesn't mean I had to read it, I could have listened to it, right? We're in a world of iPods where they have everything on music and, and audio, and who has time to read anymore is essentially what I'm saying. And, and, and the speaker, he talks about this idea of, it, it's, it's very, very cool. He says, you know, we, we hide our knives in our speech, and see, we do things knowing that God doesn't want us to do them, but we do them anyway. Like, like we definitely 
have the option to not listen to what he's saying. We have that ability and, and, and to just kind of go along with this really cool concert with the blood and the tongues and the, and the fire and the, the, you know, the people protesting outside saying like kisses, knights and saints in service and what have you. But, but we're, ex, we're expected to listen to God and produce the fruit that keeps with repentance. When we look at the idea of fruit or bearing fruit, the one that comes up is the fruit of the Spirit, right? When you become a Christian, apparently you're supposed to memorize First um, John or John 3.16. I would say First John because I like it better than John. I don't know if you're allowed to like parts in the Bible more than others, but I like First John a lot, and John is weird to me. Jesus, it's crazy. So anyway, so, so you, you have to memorize John 3.16, right? Because that's like the basis of our religion, essentially. Um, or our relationship. Remember in the beginning, God doesn't... So, the other thing that comes up is learning what the fruits of the Spirit are. Because the fruits of the Spirit are, are kind of what shows us that, that the Holy Spirit's indwelt in us. That he's, he's speaking through us. That he's doing his thing. The interesting thing about the fruits of the Spirit is that they're preceded by the acts of the flesh. It's usually the part we skip because the fruits of the Spirit are so cool. And when I read that, I think, why the acts of the flesh and not the acts of the Spirit, or the fruits of the flesh or the fruits of the Spirit? Like, why the acts of one and the fruit of the other? Like, like why does he, he say in that in that order? And it's because the acts of the flesh are what we just do naturally. And that's not an excuse. It's only natural, not an excuse. It's a condemnation that we all need a personal Savior and we all need God to redeem us. Those acts look like something. And this list is long. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, uh, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a gnarly list. And we can look at that and say... I'm not a witch. I don't fly around on a broom. I don't really do that. Um, debauchery is not something I deal with, mainly because I don't really know the, the, the definition too much. But you look at like something like uh, fits of rage, and you're like, no, sometimes at, at, at our old condo, we had like those doors that like to open, open your closet, they slide, right? But they don't work right ever. Okay, so like they come off the track. And right, like I said, I'm not an angry guy, but for some reason, those doors, they come off the crack just a little bit, and I just like kick it because that fixes things usually. Like, I would just get instantly irritated is the too soft of the word, but I kind of wanted to kill things because, like, and it's like, wait, fits of rage. Ooh, I fit in that. And selfish ambition do, am I self-promoting? Do I do things that, that are pushing me ahead when God says, no, let me speak for you. I've got this. I've got it. So it's like, ooh, I might fit in that better than I think I do because my acts, my flesh, they do it. They, it's when I'm not abiding in him. It's when I'm not looking for Christ for, for, for my next step. So then he goes on and he talks about the fruits of the Spirit, which are, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and those were swapped, and self-control. And the kicker is, against such thing, there is no law. See, it's not, 
a bunch of rules. It's not, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. He's saying, look it, if the, if the Spirit of God is living in you, if we're abiding in Christ and listening to what He says, then this is what our life will look like, the fruit of the Spirit. Like, what happens when the Spirit is moving is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what we should be marked by. That is what, what, what God so desperately wants His church, His people to be known by our love. It's a song, right? They'll know we're Christians by our love. He wants us to be known by our joy. He says that, that, that we can have a joy that surpasses all understanding. So despite how much it feels like our life is falling apart, despite our financial situation, we're actually promised a joy that surpasses all understanding. That when people say, how are you so joyful? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, God's doing something about it, though. We're also told that, that love is supposed to, we're supposed to be loving, and a lot of times we're trying to create an in-and-out group. But if we're listening to God and listening to the heart of Jesus and putting on God's iPod, then, then we will start looking like this. The cool thing is, is that I believe very strongly that, that here at Living Spring, we're pretty good at that. Like, like when, when people start saying, you know, the church is full of hypocrites, I go, well, we're, we're, we're holding ourselves to a pretty high standard. Right? God demands perfection, which is kind of unfair. So yes, I, I want perfection for my life, so then I say I, I want to be perfect, and then I'm not. So sure, fine, I'm a hypocrite, I guess. But, but when people start saying these things about the church, I want to say, who? Who are you talking about? Like, like I look beside me, I look who the people I'm doing ministry with, I'm like, who? Because for the most part around here, we do see the good tree, the good fruit, like, the fact that we want to give backpacks to kids that can't afford backpacks, that's huge, and that's, that's exciting to me. Things like, I want to buy them a backpack, mostly because I always wanted a new backpack every year. And I was like, this year, I'm going to get organized. And like, day two, I think I might have had a pencil. Um, but I just imagine if, if we, God's body, were just known by our good fruit and not by all the other stuff that makes news headlines. Like, like, imagine what it would look like if we all went from addicted to chocolate to not addicted to chocolate and produced fruit in keeping with repentance. Like, like, if people knew us by that, imagine the lives that could be changed because they would say, ooh, that God works. That God speaks. That God is alive. 